0: I'd like for you to open to the book of Matthew chapter 11. And while you're looking for Matthew 11, guys, if you would put up John chapter 10, verse 10 for me. You're going to Matthew 11. We'll have John 10, verse 10 on the screens. We've got a word. We've got a word. Let me tell you what I mean by that as believers, as Christians who believe in the authority of the word of God, you look to the word as the foundation beneath your feet. You look to the word, not just to set eyes on it, not just to hear it out of religious ritual, but you look to it and in your heart and in your mind, you're already saying, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to believe this and I'm gonna be a doer of the word that I hear. And that makes us different. That makes us pretty different from the rest of the world and honestly, it makes us pretty different from much of the body of Christ, the so-called church in different places. It makes us different when you approach the word of God with an excitement and an expectation and like I said, with the belief that you're not just gonna hear it, you're gonna do it. You're gonna by his help and by his grace put into practice what you hear. Jesus told us in the scriptures that these are the only people that have firm foundation beneath their feet. The ones that come to him, the ones that hear his word and the ones that do what he says. And I believe that we as a church family have a word. It's a word that I believe the Lord is speaking to us about the the next few days and weeks, the next year that's coming up. And a lot of you know my background and the ministry family that I come from. And I grew up in a church culture, in a ministry culture. Man, well, first of all, yes, we went to the Word for everything. But right about this time every year, the Word of the Lord would come to Papa or come to Daddy or come to somebody and say in a a prophetic voice, this is what's coming in the year ahead. Man, we latch on to it. We believe it. We put it in our heart. We get coming out of our mouth. And um, I believe that we as a church... We're hearing from the Lord, and if you were a part of our service last week, either in person or online, then uh, you heard some of these things, and, and, and we're going to be looking at it uh, this week, over the next several weeks, moving into the first of next year. But our word for the year coming up is found here in John chapter 10, and it's what Jesus said. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy now I know that doesn't sound like good news, but every word out of Jesus mouth, if you look close enough is good news. Do you want to know why you cannot go to my home this afternoon and steal a Ferrari out of the garage? <laughs> you want to know why you can't do that? There's not one there. <laughs> There's not one in there so you can't steal. Satan is a thief. You know what that tells me? You've got something. I've got something. And what we have as born again believers full of the Spirit of God, we have what the Scripture calls treasure in earthen vessels. So I know it doesn't sound like good news, but the thief comes to steal because what you have is valuable. The life that you have is valuable. He comes to destroy, to pull down. That must mean God's building something up on the inside of you. Jesus, though, he drew this line here. He said, that's the thief. That's not me. I've come that they may have life. And say this part with me. That they may have it more abundantly. That's where we're headed in 2021. Life more abundantly. We're going to talk some about that. But go to the book of Matthew chapter 11 with me. I want to look at something else Jesus said here, and I think this is significant for where we are right now today. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Guys, put that on the screen for us. I want everybody to pay careful attention to the first three words of this verse. Matthew 11, verse 25. As soon as they get that up there, I want you to see it. I want your eyes on it. Say these first three words with me. Ready? At... That time. Say it again. At that time. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, listen to this, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Jesus is talking to us about revelation and revelation knowledge. This is the second time in just a couple of verses that you see this word revealed. Jesus said, nobody knows the son except the father and nobody knows the father except the son and the one, Jesus said, to whom he wills to reveal him. Now, if you stop right there, you could come up with some doctrine that might make you think and others believe that, you know, God doesn't want to just show himself to everybody. He's already picked a few. And these doctrines have names and people have believed them for generation after generation. And if you were to just stop right there at that verse, to whom the son wills to reveal him. And you might think, well, man, I hope I'm one of those right? I hope I can be one of the ones to whom Jesus wants to reveal God. We just don't know. And if you, and like I said, if you stop there at that verse, you might be led to believe that the only problem is this pesky verse 28 where Jesus goes on and says, come to me. all y'all come to me. All he said that right there does away with this religious this religious thinking that we don't know who God wants to show himself strong to. We don't know who God wants to work on behalf of. We don't know who God is extending his salvation to stop it. Jesus answered that. Come to me all. Everybody come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Okay. What were the first three words of verse 25? You remember? At that time. There's another translation of scripture that I like a lot. It really helps to expound on some of these things. And it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 in the Wiest translation. Now, let me just read you the first part of that verse. It says, at that epochal and strategic moment of time. That epochal, you see it there. That epochal strategic moment of time. Epochal and strategic. This word epochal, and yeah, I had to look it up, means, <laughs> in essence, it's, it's an event that's so monumental, so big that it marks the beginning of a new development or the beginning of a new era. An apocal moment is one that starts something brand new. So when the scripture says, at that time, Jesus said these things, it wasn't like, you know, noon on a Tuesday. That's not what it was a reference to. It was talking about this epochal and strategic moment, this moment that began something brand new, started a new development, a new era, a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of walking and talking and living something new. That's what an epochal moment is. And you see here, too, it wasn't just a big moment, but it was strategic. It came at exactly the right time, right on time. And if you look back across the timeline of your life, you can can pinpoint, you can identify some of these epochal moments that you've had. And listen, they're not every day. These moments where something occurs in your life and it was one way before that and it was completely different after that and never the same again. These things aren't every day, but if you look back and you think back across the timeline of life, you can find them, can't you? Well, this day changed everything and then this day changed everything again and then that day, man, everything changed that day. It's one of those days. This that we're reading about here in Matthew 11, it was just one of those days. I was thinking back the last couple of days on some of the most epochal or epical, depending on how you pronounce it, days in my life. September 1st, 2007 was an apocryl day in my life. I married Sarah Hart. That changed everything. Everything was different. Life was one way before that day, and everything from that moment forward changed and has never been the same again. Now, when you're looking at these kind of moments in scripture, it also carries with it, not just a change, but a betterment, an increase, a coming up. Not only did it change, but it got better. And let me go ahead and say right now from this platform behind this pulpit, it got better (laughs) every day since September 1st, 2007. But here's the interesting thing about an apocalypse moment or a moment like that in your life that marks the beginning of a new development, a new era. If you think about it, when you mark the beginning of a new way of life, what are you doing at the same time? You're marking the, the end of an old one to begin the new one. You have to end the old one and frustration occurs and disappointment occurs when people try to live in the new era with an old era mentality right see it's no coincidence that we get married at an altar you know what an altar is go back to the Old Testament it's a place of sacrifice it's a killing place it's a dying place and it's no coincidence that you stand at an altar to get married and to mark the beginning of this new development. That day, married Jeremy came into existence, but for married Jeremy to live and thrive and be successful, single Jeremy's gotta die. (laughs) He's gotta die right there at that altar and frustration. And this is really a good example in marriage occurs when somebody's trying to live in this new, way of life called marriage with a single dude mentality with a single individual mindset without realizing, Hey, everything just changed everything and it got better, but it changed. That was an epical epochal moment in my life. Changed everything. A little over two years later, we had another one of those moments. May 8th. 2010, Justice James Pearsons was born into the world. And if my life wasn't different before that, it was certainly different from that day forward. Anybody with kids say amen? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you, life is one way, married life. Sarah and I look back on it. We think we know there was a time before there were kids. We don't remember it, but we know it existed. We've got pictures to prove it. It's just hard to actually remember. And sometimes we laugh. It was like, remember when we just wanted ice cream at 10 and so we'd just get in the car and go get it. We were, we were newly married. You know what I mean? You can do that kind of thing. A couple of years later, babies start showing up. They turn everything inside out and upside down and it's better. I feel like I have to keep reminding you of this. It's better. We wouldn't go back to life without them. If we could, wouldn't do it. It's better. But man, it changed everything. It changed everything. I mean, it changed sleep habits or sleeping at all. I mean, it changed. uh, I mean, it changed your routine. It changed everything about your life. That's one of those moments, right? Jesse showed up a few years later, changed everything again. I tell you, one of those big moments for Sarah and I was September 1st, 2010 on our wedding anniversary. Some of you have heard us tell the story. We actually stepped officially into our own ministry as well. We had been serving my grandparents in their ministry, my mom and dad at their church. And for months and months and months leading up to that, the Lord began to stir in our hearts about stepping out. And it wasn't in an effort to leave them or disconnect. Uh, for any other reason other than the Lord was saying, I want something with you. I want your dependence. I want your faith. I want your trust. And for us to do that in the way that it was coming up so strong in our heart to do it, we had to take a step away from what we thought was security, job security. You know, when Papa's the man, all you gotta do is not do something stupid and (laughs) you can have a job for a long time. But the Lord helped us see some things in that transition around that moment. He he said to us, you're calling things security that aren't secure. You're calling things comfortable that aren't comfort. Because we kept talking like that. Well, I'm just going to step out of our comfort zone. We're going to make this change and step into our own. And it's outside of our comfort zone. And finally, the Lord said, I gave you the comforter. If you're doing something other than what I've told you to do through him, that's anything but comfortable. And it changed something for us. It changed something. It's an, an epochal moment. That was a big one for us. And you know, the story that 10 years ago we were here in the state of Colorado driving I-70. Where is it, Lord? Where is it? Where is it? It's gotta be here somewhere. Gotta be here somewhere. We were just a couple hours and 10 years off. That's all. That's all it was. (laughs) A couple hours and 10 years. But I'm so thankful we're here now. These moments, we got to learn to look for these epical moments that change everything. They begin a new development and they end an old way. That's what was happening here when Jesus was speaking. At that time, at that epochal and strategic moment, Jesus began to pray and he talked to the father and he talked to the Lord about what he, what he had concealed and or or to who he had revealed it. And then Jesus said, what we mentioned earlier, nobody knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. What a great setup. Jesus is saying, I'm about to reveal him to you. You're about to see the father in a way you've never seen him before in a way you could never have seen Him. You're about to know Him in a way you never could have known Him before because now you're going to know Him, Jesus says, the way I know Him. Now you're going to see Him the way I see Him. And so how does He do it? I'm about to reveal the Father to you. Here we go. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. That is a revelation of our Father. That's him. And it's a new development. It's a new way of seeing God that up until that time, nobody had seen God that way. Nobody had lived life that way. Up until that time, you carried your own burden. Up until that time, you bore your own yoke. I just spent the last week teaching uh, up here at Karis Bible School, teaching to the third-year ministry students, talking about the anointing for ministry. And what the anointing is when you look to the scripture you find out it is the burden removing yoke destroying power of God. Satan is a burden builder. Your enemy in mind, that's the business he's in. If there was a better burden building business bureau, he would be <laughs> he would be the the head of that council. That's what he does. That's who he is and he will spend generations year after year after year. Building a burden so heavy, installing a yoke so burdensome around somebody or around a family or around a group of people. And he'll, he'll work on it so long and so hard that people don't even realize that's what it is. They just call it life. They just think it's a part of living life. And Satan works so long to put burdens and to weigh people down. And that's what so frustrates him and terrifies him about Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed, Jesus and his anointing. He hates the fact that he can work for generations, for millennia, putting a burden on mankind, and one moment under the anointing can remove the burden and destroy the yoke. One minute, one second. Is Satan standing there going, You broke my yoke. I worked so hard on that yoke. Yeah. The psalmist said, I've been anointed with a fresh oil. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. That's strength, man. That's power. That's transforming power. But that burden in that yoke, that's what mankind was living with and is living with unless and until they meet Jesus. See, when Jesus stood up in the temple, in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord's on me because he has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to. So here comes the job description of Jesus. Here comes what the anointing's on him to do. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, that tells me that poverty is not a blessing, it's a burden, it's a yoke, and the Spirit of the Lord was and is on Jesus to remove that burden and destroy that yoke. He said, I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. A broken heart's not a blessing, that's a burden, that's a yoke. Jesus is anointed to lift that and destroy it. He talked about the anointing being on him to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set, to set at liberty them who are oppressed. All of this is the anointing, the work of the anointing. But what we need to recognize is that's the condition that mankind is in until they encounter that anointing. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. If you don't know Jesus, you're a poor man. And the only way to break that poverty is to come face to face with the anointed one and his anointing. So Jesus is talking to people, come to me all. I just hear the Texan coming out. Come to me all y'all who are heavy burdened and yoked. That's everybody, isn't it? Until you come to him, that's you. I don't know if we understand that clearly enough. Until you come to Jesus, that's you. Burdened, yoked, poor, brokenhearted, blind, imprisoned, that's you. Until you know him, that is you. And that's why he's extending this invitation. And by the way, it's a standing invitation. Come to me. I'm changing things. We're we're, we're starting something new today, he's saying. This is a significant moment. And we're changing some things and we're starting some things. Until now, yeah, I know you've been carrying your burden. Until now, you've been heavy laden. You're worn out. I get it. I know. Here, come, come to me. I'm going to make a trade with you. We're going to enter into an exchange here. I tell you what, you give me the burden. I'll give you my rest. And you look at that and you think, that's a bad trade. <laughs> it's like, he knows what it is. Don't tell him. He knows exactly what he's doing. Come to me. Who? All. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You got to learn to look for these moments in your life where things change. And here's where you and I are different than most of the rest of this world. We are not just defined by the moment itself. But you and I, if we'll allow ourselves, will be defined by what we get from God in the moment. What we understand from his word in that moment. I told you last week that over the course of Thanksgiving and the break, man, we saw some miracles. The Lord did some amazing things in our personal family, in our church family. If you hadn't heard us tell the story, I'll remind you, Sarah's mom uh, went into the hospital Thanksgiving week, back up a couple of days, she had texted the family and said, Dad and I both tested positive for COVID. And then all she said after that was, The word is working. See, a lot of people have tested positive, and that test now defines them. But here's what's different when somebody in the house of faith comes up with a positive test. It's not the test that defines us. It's not the result of the test that defines us. It's what we believe about God in it. It's what we believe about God in response to it. That defines us. So she's not going to be defined by this virus or defined by this scary report. The word is working, she said. Well, over the next couple of days, that, that thing went to work in her body and, and she was struggling to breathe and you know you've heard all the effects of it and she ended up in the hospital and uh, over the course of that time this is a believing family you need to know that about us we don't take this stuff lying down we are ready at all times and constantly engaged in the fight of faith and we don't let this stuff scare us we don't pretend it's not there we just address it with the word of God we let his word define us in the moment And man, we did. As a family came came together, surrounded mom in faith and in prayer. Long story short, the Lord did an amazing work in her body, miraculous work. She went from not doing well at all to totally well, totally strong, not able to eat anything, to scarfing down hospital chicken fried steak and strawberry cheesecake. That's a miracle. And it happened in a moment of time. But one of the things that rose up big on the inside of me while we were watching her just walk that out, these words came to me, actually came to me the day she texted and said, we tested positive. What came up in my spirit was this is the end. This is the end of sickness and disease. My mother-in-law, Mary Hart, over the last seven to ten years, has had to fight some stuff physically. She's been told by some doctors some pretty heavy things at various times over the years. But every time she got told that, she responded to it with the word, responded to it with the word, responded to it with the word, over and over and over and dug her heels in and would not relent. At one point she was told, maybe I told you this before, but she was told, you've got ten months to live. What do you do? For many people, that's a defining moment. And it defines every moment for the next 10 months until they're gone. But instead of letting that doctor's word or that moment define her, it's what she got from God in the moment that defined her. Same thing here. So here it comes again. This is the end. This is the end of sickness and disease. This is the end of sickness and disease. And just a few days later, after meditating on that and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it, this is what the Lord added to it for me. It's the end of sickness and disease. It's the beginning of life more abundantly. Can you see what's happening? We're ending one thing and starting something else. This is a moment in her life and in the life of our family. And we're seeing it. We're, I mean, Sarah and the kids were on, on the phone with her yesterday. I, it, she's another woman. I'm telling you, we've seen a miracle. I, I can't overstate it enough. We have seen a miracle. Right about the same time, there was another young man in the church, uh, uh, the son of some of our staff. And out of nowhere, started experiencing some pain. Long story short, he ends up in the hospital. Not COVID, some other freak thing. An infection that's trying to run its course in his body. And it was day after day of this for a little while. But thank God for believing mamas and believing daddies. Praying mamas and praying daddies. People who will come into agreement with each other and say, we're not having this. This is not the way this goes. It's not the visit to the hospital that defines us. It's our faith in what we get from God in the middle of it that defines and redefines our life from this day forward. I'm going to tell you something about that young man. Over the course of his time, a week plus in the hospital, he encountered God. He did. And he heard some things from God. God spoke to him very clearly. And you know, kids, they're not making this stuff up. They don't care about impressing you with their spirituality. (laughs) This is real. This is authentic. It's more like what you and I should be. He encountered the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said some things to him. And it's not, I can tell you this right now, it's not going into the hospital. It's not the diagnosis of the infection. It's not the treatment. It's not the procedures that define this young man now. What defines him and has changed his life and is changing it day after day is what he got from God in the middle of it. Can you see the difference between us and them? I know it's not politically correct to talk in those terms, us and them, but it's true. The biggest differences between people are not in our skin color. They're not in our nationalities. They're not where we're from. They're not in our socioeconomic status. The biggest difference that could possibly exist between two people is one's born again and one's not. One's got a spirit that's alive under God and one doesn't. And that is a big difference. You, if you want to be real about it, there is an us and there is a them. And as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put him first. We're going to put his word first and we're going to have what he says we can have. No matter what it is we're facing, no matter what it is we're walking through. I don't care if it's a positive test or, a, or, or, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We've got a foundation. Now in the middle of that, If you'll turn your attention and your heart to the Lord, he'll do something and you'll get something from him that changes the rest of your life. Let me give you another, what I believe is an apocalypse moment. December 6th, 2020. Anybody know when that is? That's right now, man. That's right now. Sarah and I fully thought we'd come up here. We saw the building, saw it needed a lot of work. We thought, yeah, this place needs what? Three, four, five months of work? We can do that. (laughs) Hey, we've never done it before, all right? Cut us some slack. And we thought this thing probably would have been started a while back. We were aiming at, honestly, the fall of 2020. And those of you who've been going down this road with us, you know we've had services in town up there in Woodland Park. We're meeting once a month or twice a month. And then we had some services here. And then we were doing online. But we've been pressing towards this moment right here. As far as she and I are concerned, we've been moving towards this thing for 10 years right now. Now, wherever you are and wherever you came on in that journey, it's all been headed towards this moment. This is an apocalypse moment, if not in anybody else's life but ours. I know it is for mine. I know it is for her, for our staff, for our team. We've been pressing towards this. A lot of sweat has gone into this, a lot of tears, a lot of prayer, a lot of sewing, a lot of standing, a lot of believing. A lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings have been pressing all towards this moment right here. And I'm telling you in Jesus name, everything changes from here. We're not living in an old mentality anymore. Whatever the Lord needs to change in our thinking, in our believing, it's happening right now. First of all, I know this, they just keep making Sundays. There's going to be another one of these next week. And then the next one, and then the next one, that's kind of new for us a little bit. It's a different way of of living. It's a different way of believing. But now, we're a family. We're a body. And this changes everything. Now, I know not everybody in here. Maybe you're here just checking it out. You're just visiting. That's wonderful. But I do know a lot of you. The Lord picked you up from where you were, and he put you in this place, and it weren't for no reason. (laughs) It was because he was about to work this apocalyptic moment in your life. And not just epochal in the sense that it's big, it's strategic. Right, right. Isn't that what Jesus said? Yes. At the, or the scripture said, at the strategic time? See, I thought we would have been going months ago, months ago, months ago. But now I'm standing here in front of you going, no, this is it. This is right. Yeah. And here's why I believe we're in a strategic time. We're coming to the end, naturally speaking, of 2020. And somebody said, amen. Amen. No, listen, we're laughing, but you've heard that, haven't you? I can't wait for this year to be over. Right? Now, if we're honest, for a lot of people, this has been a fatiguing year. And even if you weren't, personally affected or personally diagnosed or something like that with COVID. By this time, you know somebody, or at least you know somebody who knows somebody. And at the very least, you've heard all the same preaching from the pulpits of the news desk that we've heard for the last, what, eight, nine, pushing 10 months now, getting close to a year and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And then you add on top of that social unrest and racial divisions and the streets are on fire. And then you add on top of that a political climate that looks more like a circus full of angry clowns than it does oh. distinguished leaders of houses. You add all of that together and it's, it's fatiguing. It's fatiguing and it tries to wear you out. But I'm going to remind you that we've got this standing invitation from Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. I know you've been carrying some stuff. Come to me. I know it's been heavy on you. I know it's a burden and it's a yoke. Come to me. I can deal with that. And I'll make a trade with you. You give me your fatigue. You give me your burden. I'll give you my rest. And that's what faith is. It's a rest. It's confidence. What Jesus has done is done. And I enter in to the rest.